Okay, I want to talk today a little bit about what is a friend. I felt very strongly over the last week to speak on the subject. And while it might sound a little bit like life skills, there is massive kingdom content around friendship. Because ultimately, friendship comes from the Lord. And friendship is a skill set that we learn to steward those in our lives with. But we're in a territory where we've been trained that friendship is a thing of convenience. It's a thing of benefits. I want to read a couple of details out to everyone so that, so that we can just start to set this conversation up and, and get some healthy perspective on it. I've written some notes here. Now, uh, of these notes, the first two details that I have are actually of a couple of um, studies that have been done on relationships. Now, some of this is going to shock some of you because, look, when I was 16, 18, 20, 21, even t- mid-20s, even late 20s, you believed that you have this massive group of friends and everything's awesome. You just believe that there's this huge, big cloud of friends, your little personal cloud of witnesses, and and that is like, you know, it's just this social happy place. Amen? So let's just look at this. And this is, by the way, these two studies are not, Christian studies. This is this is the first point. The social, uh, the, sorry, yeah, the social brain hypothesis predicts that humans have an average of about 150 relationships at any given time. The study states within this 150, listen to this, there are layers of friends of an ego, where the number of friends in a layer increases as the emotional closeness decreases. Did you hear that? The number of friends increases as the, as the emotional closeness decreases. So the less intimacy emotionally, the more friends it looks like you've got. Then the same study goes on to say this. Humans only are able to maintain five intentional and authentic relationships in their inner circle with 150 friends in the outer circle. That could be work colleagues, that could be, you know, there's a lot of, when we say the word relationship, there's, there's your banker. You have a relationship with your banker, your bank manager. You with me? With the person at 7-Eleven when you're stopping for that coffee. Or coffee bean tea leaf, wherever you go. Tola, Kit, uh, I'm going to offend somebody by not saying their favorite coffee place for sure. <laughs> uh, an extremely gifted relational person will have 12 people, they say, of, of high-level intimacy, which is interesting because that's the number of friends that Jesus chose to let be close to him. We know that Jesus had the 12, he had the 70, he had the 150, and then he had the 5,000. You with me? Okay, so that's where the statement that I like to talk about sometimes, if you show me the five closest people to you, I'll accurately predict your future. Because the friends, see, 
unfortunately, we've lived in a very, almost like an instant coffee society where we just grab people and bring them close. Well, that person's convenient. That person makes me feel good. They're my friend. And we bring people in close that actually aren't healthy for our hearts, our lives, and our future. They just make us feel good in a moment. But, but if you really understand it, there is no like, but maybe, but I'm an exception. It's very accurate because the more intimate you let someone get to you, the more there is an influence there. It says, do not be fooled. Bad company corrupts good habits. Interesting that statement that, that God isn't saying good, good, good manners influence darkness. It's actually saying darkness influences good. Hello? Are you with me? That's, that's the Bible speaking, by the way. Well, I'm just there to be a help. It even goes on to say that when someone falls away from the kingdom, it says those of you that are mature should go and restore someone in a spirit of meekness, watching out lest their darkness gets on you. Hello? But we're a rescuer mentality. We're a rescuer society. We like to hide from our dysfunction by helping every other broken person so we don't have to acknowledge the fact that we're broken. And we call that friends. But while our brokenness is hidden, other darkness is actually rubbing off and influencing us. And the spiral continues. And this is one of the reasons why I believe God wants me to speak about friends today. Because unless you address areas in your life intentionally, you'll keep floating down the river without really noticing where you're going. Is someone with me today? It's important that we stop and assess our lives. And we look at the ingredients we're putting in there because Holy Spirit sometimes isn't being listened to in certain areas because we don't believe that that's necessary. Well, this is my area that I govern. I'll let you come in when I need you. True. But these are important things to really look at and assess. See, so if you really, if the average person... Let's just say every person, and I don't want to create a legalistic rule, but let's just say every person in here can only intimately manage. Now, if you think about, if you've been living life for a little bit, how much work it actually takes to invest into a relationship. I learned this a while back. You know, a lot of people, most people spend time with their friends. But when you spend, you can't get anything back for it. When you invest, though, you're looking for things to grow and mature and turn into something. True? You're looking for increase. And, and a lot of people just are happy to spend time with friends, but, you know, if every person in this room started to understand how expensive a friendship actually is, we'd become a lot more discerning on who we call friend. And we'd start to look at who we let super close because their outcome might start to look like ours. That's why it says in the beginning of the book of Proverbs, young man, when they say to you, come throw your lot in with us, we'll go shed blood and split the profit. Do not go with them. This is why we need to read Proverbs, because Proverbs helps. You know, we're all a little dense sometimes. All of us. Well, not me. Yes, us. All of us included. And that book just really helps us get in line with heaven's wisdom. But sometimes reading that book's a little insulting because it just tells us that we got it wrong. 
And that's okay. We just need to be malleable so that we can come in line with heaven because heaven wants you to have a good life. She said, I have come to give you life and life in abundance. See, there's that word abundance again. Okay, so so let's just look at this. Um, I, I've written down some notes here that I just would rather read than preach. I'm, I'm teaching a little bit today. I, I love preaching, but there's sometimes I just got to dial it back and we've got to teach. So we get line upon line on this stuff. I said, uh, I wrote down, we must quickly grasp that a friend is the most loyal of relationships we can possess. They will share laughter and tears with us. They will champion us when, we are, when the odds are stacked against us. They will celebrate our victories and not compete with them. You hear what I just said? They will celebrate our victories and not compete with them. See, when you've got someone in your inner circle that's always trying to one-up you when you're doing well, that's not a friend. That's a competitor. And in a minute, that competitor is going to figure out how to take you down so they get ahead. That's what Judas was. He's a competitor. Because he was actually from, if you really look up, Judas was actually from the same tribe of Judah as Jesus. And at that time, every little boy wondered if he was the Messiah. And Judas was a smart boy. That's why he was looking after the money box. He became a competitor. Okay, where was I? They will comfort us in pain and loss. They won't scorn. They won't gloat. They will always offer truth over emotional sympathy. See, there's a lot of people in our generation that will coddle people with emotional sympathy when hardship comes. And we've learned to call that friends. No, you've got someone that's actually making you emotionally paralytic, crippled in your emotions because they keep making you weak with sympathy because they're too cowardly to offer you truth. I'll take truth over emotional fluff any day, even if it hurts my heart a little bit, because it makes me stronger. If I get emotional coddling when I'm in a vulnerable place, it could cause me to sabotage the call of God on my life. I don't need that type of person in my life, in my close, close quarters. I need someone that's going to say, I love you. Suck it up, buddy. True. True. I mean, can you imagine getting to heaven? You're standing before the Father and Jesus is there. And they're like, why did you go off course? Well, Jesus, I was having a bit of an emotional moment. Like, can you, Jesus and, and Father just looking back at you like, because that doesn't compute in heaven. It doesn't. It doesn't connect. There's only obedience to truth. There's not compromise for weakness. I know that's not easy. I know that kind of makes us feel really uncomfortable and cornered and a little bit trapped. But you've been bought with a price, so you gave the keys away a while back anyways. So we've got to get rid of that idea that emotionally, like, being soft and weak is okay. Is this helping someone today? We have to reassess what a friend looks like in our life. One who will look out for our best interests no matter the cost to them. Someone that will tell you the truth that you need to hear no matter what the consequences are for them. They won't change the narrative so they stay in a good position or a better place. They're going to tell you what you need to hear, the truth, no matter what cost. Oh, here's a good one. One who fights for my honor 
especially in my absence. Especially in my absence. It's easy to say it in front of a person. That's called flattery. But it's when I'm not around, that's when it matters. And, and it's not even necessarily fighting. People can be speaking evil, but if my friends stay silent, that's almost worse than not fighting. Silence is the same as political neutrality. See, I don't want politically neutral friends. I want ones that are on board and believe in who I am. How about you? Yeah, I don't want, I don't want someone that's going to sit on the fence and go, well, you know, when they're around, they're a great benefit, so I say the right things. But when they're not, I need to play my cards right so everyone else in my life feels comfortable. See, this is directly opposite what this generation's going for right now because we want to make everybody happy. But the reality is, is that you can't. You can only serve one of two masters. You can't make both happy. That's how you know it's a political neutral spirit. You've got to take a side and stuff. And I'm not saying you have to, you know, one, one friend's got an offense with the other friend, so I have to be with this friend. No, that's not the stuff I'm talking about. But we can't be political. Once we grasp this, we can filter who actually is capable of being our friend. See, once you start grasping principles like this, you start going, hmm, that person always sells me out when they're in another group, and I always hear about it. True? Hmm, that person always makes me feel good, but later on I knew that wasn't really the truth. They just said what, I, what they were just saying nice things to me to make me go away. Hello? This stuff's real. You know, when I was really down and in a really dark place, I actually felt like they were kind of happy that I was in pain. Is this ringing anybody's bell? This is real. People are messed up. And I'm happy to love messed up people. That's who Jesus came to help was the sick. But that doesn't mean they're my confidants. Know the difference. Okay. I know this is straight talk, but we need to hear this stuff. Some of us have got very broken relationships that pull us the wrong way. Here's another one. Friends that always take us to do things that we shouldn't be doing. That's not a friend. Friends that encourage you to do things that you later regret. That's not a friend. I'm not talking about that one-off thing. I'm talking about consistently. When I hang out with that person, bad stuff happens. And some of the people you call friends have actually got demonic spirits. And when you get in their atmosphere, like when you talk about an anointing, we understand that when we come into a church service, when I get into that atmosphere, things break off. Yeah, but when I go to that friend's atmosphere, stuff comes on. True? And I start having emotions or feelings or sin starts gripping me. Hello? The greatest, there's a whole bunch of notes I've written down. The greatest understanding anyone can ever achieve is to understand your role in every relationship. We have to learn the difference between relationship and friendship. Because not everyone in your life is a friend. Jesus knew that. A whole bunch of people were excited because Jesus was walking with massive power. I mean, dude, you have a guy walking around Huntington Beach and there's people coming out of graves? 
Think about that for a second. It's easy to imagine it 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, but just think about it. There's a dude walking around in Huntington Beach and graves, there's people coming out of graves. He's moonwalking across Huntington Beach proper on the water. Okay? There's a famine, and he's turning, he's turning bread and, and multiplying it. Probably tacos if it was here. Not loaves and fishes. Carne asada for sure. Okay? But you, you get what? If that's all happening, and everyone now wants him because of his benefit to them. Right? And Jesus said, what it says of, said of Jesus, he did not commit himself to them because he knew what was in them. You see? Not everyone that sings your praises is your friend. So we have to understand our role in every relationship. Now, here's a real poignant statement. I want everyone to listen to this or pay attention to it more. To float without an intentional engagement is a waste of your time. Well, I I just always hang out with that person. What do you guys do? Not really anything. We sit around and gossip about everybody. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're getting somewhere. What, 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 what fruit comes out of it? Do you guys get stronger in your walk with God? Like, do you come away? Well, not really. We just tell each other our problems. Over and over again. You see, unless you understand your role in a relationship, it's kind of like one of those things. It's a relationship, but it's not an intentional relationship. When you, when you get into an intentional relationship, that's when traction happens. See, I'll, I'll show you the point in case. The 5,000 men and probably at least 10,000 10, women and children that came out on two occasions and ate the, the bread Jesus multiplied and the fishes he multiplied, they were enjoying his company. They like what he said until he said, if you want a part of this, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. Remember? They got up and they left offended because they had nothing invested. It's hard to be truly offended about something you're invested in. But when you're not invested, you start having criticism and opinions which make you feel powerful about your insecurities and it's easy to walk away. But Jesus, he had all these people around him that weren't actually intimate. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Peter, he had a moment with them. He walked up to them and said, hey, come follow me, invitation, and I will make you fishers of men, purpose. Also posture. See, they now had a purpose in the relationship. Hello? Hello? Now, not every relationship is a discipleship relationship. I'm giving you, like when I, when I you know, wanted to, to marry Bex, I said, hey, would you like to wear a ring for the rest of your life? <laughs> See, purpose, role, position, posture, it's all there. It's just like, oh, we just hang out. It's really cool. And like nothing ever happens, but we go to the mall and stuff. Like that's not substance. And I do understand that being young and all that kind of stuff is cool and fun. But if, if you truly want to go somewhere and be used in the kingdom on purpose, there needs to be intentionality in your relationships, particularly the ones that are the closest to you. That's why I, I've said it so much, and I always think like this. Because people enter my life a lot of the times, and they'll come and they'll say all this amazing stuff about themselves, which is what people like to do, right? 
I try and look over their shoulder and see who's around them. I try and see who their friends are because it tells me more about them than, them, than their own mouths. That's why I say, if, you, if I can find the closest five people to you, I can pretty much tell you where you're going with your life. Yeah? Intentional relationship. You can't, can, can I just dispel a deception? You can't save everybody through casual relationship. And if you want to try and have 500 friends loosely, you'll miss the five ones closely that you're supposed to have. Listen to what I'm saying here. We try and have all these hundreds of friends. I mean, like things like social media, Facebook, that, that has actually done a lot of damage to the dynamic of friendship. We let people on our Facebook pages that have actually abused us and said horrible things or maybe done terrible things in our past. Now, I'm not into unforgiveness, but, but I am into being wise. But we let those people still watch our life every day. Hello? And we stay connected because we're friends. You ain't friends. You're a survivor. It's true. It's true. But stuff like social media and Facebook's actually reprogrammed. It's called social engineering. It's reprogrammed the dynamic of what relational inter interaction looks like. It's, it's reprogrammed our need for people of value and substance in our lives where we can just spit opinions every day. And I've got all these people that see me and like my posts, but none of them really care for me. They just see me as a convenience. See, you've got to remember the story. Jesus, Jesus was, he mastered this. The prodigal had so many friends when he had money, Right? He was spending his money and all these friends. Were, he was buying drinks all day and all night. But when he ran out of money, his only friends were the pigs in the pig pen, and he wasn't even allowed to eat their food. We've got to re if he had so many friends at the bar, why did no one put him up in the shack when he had nothing left? I don't want those types of friends. I want the type of friend that's going to take care of me if everything came undone. Hello, and so do you. We need intentional relationships. We don't need spectators. We don't need speculators. We don't need critics. We don't need offended people. We don't need good time bros. Okay, so Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. This is a scripture that I've held very close to my life. Proverbs 27 verse 5 and 6. Open rebuke is better than love Carefully concealed. Well, I really love them, so I'm not going to say anything. Hang on a minute. If you don't say anything, that person could go to their demise. But you're saying in love, you're not going to say anything. Open rebuke is better than concealed love. Watch this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Then... Hang on. Sorry, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So those kisses are the flattery and the feel-good and the emotional coddling and making you feel awesome and beautiful and powerful and so successful and full of potential. See, it says faithful are the wounds of a friend because a real friend is going to tell you the truth 
because they love you. In order for a friend to wound you, they're going to have to risk losing you. You want a friend that's faithful enough to tell you the truth if you're straying from God or if you're having a rough day or you're about to make some bad decisions and you're all caught up in your own swirl, it's better that a friend stands up and says, hey, I need to talk to you. There's some stuff that just looks strange to me and I want to level with you on a couple of things. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Will they hurt me? Now this territory, will they hurt me? I'm breaking relationship. We need to reassess what a friend is. If we can reassess what a friend is, life gets better. If we back away, now I'm not talking about sitting there while people abuse us. Please, love is wise. Love is wise, it's not stupid. But at the same time, we have to want the truth and healthy biblical perspective on our life more than being comfortable. I just want to be left alone. People need to leave me alone. No, you need the truth. Unless your top five are of a lower tier of people that you want less intimacy from. Someone getting this? We want friends that can call us higher and love us through thick and thin. Like Paul said, I, you know, I've learned how to be abased, which means to have very almost nothing, and I've learned how to abound, have a whole bunch. Right? We want friends that can love us when we've got nothing and also love us when we have a whole bunch. One of the things I was grateful for is I married my wife when I didn't have a whole bunch of money. Because no man wants to marry a girl where he's asking himself every day for the rest of his life, did she marry me for the money or did she marry me for me? See, that's why we need to establish healthy relationships in life. Because you don't want to ever ask. The Bible says in Proverbs that the rich have many friends. But are they really friends? Hello. You know, I've, I've been around pretty well-known people, and I've never talked about it, um, purely because they're, they're, the only thing they ever deal with is people trying to get close to them so they can drop names. It's, it's in ministry everywhere. Well, if I've I got this person that I'm hanging out with. This person's talking to me. No, you don't need to hear any of that. Because that person, it's, it's like they've got friends that aren't friends. Does this make sense? They've got people in their lives that don't really care about them. They care what those, that person can do for them. And so in our lives, we have, to, we have to learn and discern who we're helping and who's intimate. Like, for instance, if, if I'm trying to help someone walk through life, I'm not going to give them all my vulnerable issues that I'm walking through in my life with. That's not a friend. That's someone who I'm helping. Hello? Now, I'm not saying, look, the Bible says be friendly to everyone. We're called to love everyone, okay? But, there's, but we have to become more discerning about who we invite into an inner circle. Because it really does affect the intimacy of your heart, and it affects your walk with God, and it affects what your future looks like. Okay, let's keep going. Someone getting something today? My phone keeps going backwards on me. Oh, yeah. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. I know I'm going very line upon line today, but I just feel it's very, very important that we get this. If we can rewire a few details around how we steward relationships in our lives and how we give 
friendship status to people, our lives are going to start to increase and improve. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. So if you want friends, the Bible says, show yourself friendly. If you want friends, show yourself friendly. We can't just posture as the object of receiving with other people. A relationship is a two-way street. Hello? Come on, talk back to me about today, church. I know it's hot in here. I need to keep you awake. We, we, need, we need a two-way street in relationship. We don't need just like take, 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 take. Because that's never going to stimulate. You're going to end up becoming uh, someone's outer circle. You want to cultivate it so it's an inner circle where it's a two-way street. If you want friends, show yourself friendly. You know, the amount of times I've talked to people, they're like, I've got no friends. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about you. Let's not talk about why everyone isn't your friend. Let's talk about you for a second. How friendly are you? Are you nice? Are you approachable? This also doubles over for marriage, guys and girls. Well, no one wants to marry me. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about you for a second. But we, learn, we, we have to learn how to steward healthy relationships around us before we start looking for a spouse. Well, no one's my friend. I'll just get married. Mm-hmm. And mess it up. Because we have to learn how to steward other people's hearts well. You know, or if you're, can I just, can I speak into this for a second? For the people pleasers in this room, the people that like to bless other people, the people that like to make other people happy all the time, which is all of us, but there is a particular group of people. I'm not talking about man pleasers like in the scriptural sense. I'm talking about people that like to please, live to make other people, living for almost up for other people. If you just become the person that always just does what's needed to be done, you're that chameleon that changes to the right color so people will accept you. That's not healthy friendship either. You're making other people accept you for something that you think that they want. That's not healthy relationship. Healthy friendship should look like you being who you are in the, in, in the, in the body, the skin, the shape, the language, the personality that God gave you and being loved accordingly for who you are, not for who you think they want you to be because that's doing you and them a massive disservice. Is someone with me today? See, we're masters of the superficial here. We put on the mask. We, we put on, you know, we tell people, how are you doing? Everything's great. And it's not great. We both know it. But you're telling me everything's great, so that's all i got to work with. Some of you are like, oh, no, he's reading my number. No, that's Holy Spirit. He <laughs> this is healthy talk. Because I've really come to learn the way that you treat people directly reflects with the way you treat God. If you're dismissive of people, you're dismissive of God. If you're cheap with, with oh no, that, that relationship, people are disposable. If you have a mentality that people are disposable, next, next. See, true friendships aren't the ones that we just hang out, you know, like, oh, he goes fishing and I go fishing, so we're buddies. No, a real good friendship is the one that you've had to sit down and have some ugly, ugly conversations with. The ones where it's awkward, where it looks like it's about to blow up, but you love each other through that conversation. See, the best friendships in your life are the ones you've had to fight for. 
not the ones that are good times. Well, we go to the ball game together and everything's awesome. We eat popcorn and eat hot dogs and just talk about life. That ain't a friend. That's a buddy. It's like saying father, dad. There's a difference. Are you with me? See, we need substance that calls us higher. I was told by a mentor when I was younger that, you know, if you want to go far, don't make, don't have in your circle, don't have just your friends as your, 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 sorry, don't have your peers as your friends. Have a couple of peers, but reach further to people that are farther along and deeper because they're going to pull you, they're going to catapult you further. If, see, the Bible says that the, the person who, who spends time with the wise will himself become wise. But if people's friends are just peers, then your pool of growth is very slim. Does this make sense? See, we've lost a lot of these principles because our generation has dismissed the, the value of generational blessing. We've dismissed the family and tribal culture that causes a, a, a nuclear family to impart to the generations present. Old people aren't valuable anymore, and you're throwing away the greatest wisdom in the room. Hello? We, we have no problem disrespecting authority, but the forfeit is that we lose all of its wisdom. And then we spend 30 years getting to the place that we could have got to in a couple of years by honoring authority and, and older generations and gleaning from their wisdom. See, if you just believe your friends, I, I, come on, guys. That's why the people that mentor me are at least 20, 30 years older than me. Now, that's, it's not an age thing. It's, there's an age in the spirit, and then there's an age in the natural. But who do you, what do you want your life to look like? Like, for instance, you guys been watching what Elon Musk's been doing lately? You know, if Tesla or anybody? Hello? Cars, rockets going up and landing backwards, like gnarly stuff, right? If, if you were able to get in his life, you'd be hanging on every word he said. Because in just a minute here, the sphere and world he lives in is going to rub off and something's going to go ping in your head and you're going to start to have success in an area just based on the sheer genius of that guy. I don't even know him, but like the guy's really smart. Yeah? See, we understand it on that level because we see the collateral benefit, the material benefit. But what about on the relational, spiritual wisdom levels? Who is your friends? Who are your friends? What do you want a friend to look like in your life? And I'm not trying to just point towards discipleship because I'm not trying to push everyone to like, well, I need to get around leadership. And, you know, no, I'm talking about like, what does this look like in your life? Who do you need to reconsider as actual friend status in your life and put them to middle or outer circle? Who's, who's been affecting you in an unhealthy way, but there's been, see, you have to understand with the devil, it says that, you know, the thief doesn't come on your door and say, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Please go to sleep tonight because at 10.30, I'm coming through the window. The devil never does that. He never puts the nasty hook on anything. There's always a piece of bait on the hook. And so you'll get the friends that are unhealthy, but at the same time, there's all this emotional flattery and good times and all oh, the good-looking good pretty people club. 
access to a certain social group. So we override moral conscience so that we can get, it's called compromise. Don't be so silly and foolish. You were made for more, but you've got to build the foundations now because when you're 50, it's too late. Now, if you're starting now and you're 50, it's not too late. But what I'm saying is if you spend your whole life, let's say you're 20 years old now and you spend your whole life going the social emotional route and you don't put sound substance into your friend group, it can honestly, like think about this for a second. What if Peter had stayed fishing? He was still living a good life, had a family business. He would have been cussing like a sailor for the rest of his life, guaranteed. Well, he was a sailor, so he would have been cussing like Peter. And you know Peter could cuss, because he did cuss. <laughs> but Peter got around a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Even when Peter was unfaithful, Jesus stayed faithful. And in that moment of deep shame and brokenness, Peter learned what true friendship looked like. But he didn't need a peer teaching him that. A peer could not teach him that principle. I'm not saying don't have friends that are peers. Please, please don't be extreme with what I'm saying. I'm just saying if, if your whole inner circle is peers, you've got a problem. Pull, try to pull on friendships that will pull you higher, relationships that will pull you higher. Okay, I need, I need a hustle now because I've got a few minutes left and we're going to land. God of miracles. <laughs> Where am I? I've gone through some of this. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. We've, some of our issue has been that we have badly invested our loyalty. See, when you were young, you were innocent in your relationships. You were almost naive. And you gave your heart. You remember that first boyfriend or girlfriend that just you just fell in love with and they just destroyed you? Oh, sorry, I just touched a serious pain button right now. We'll have deliverance at the end and a healing massive. But do you remember, do you remember how like you just, you like, it's now or forever. We're going to just ride till the end, right? And it just got blown out. All your, you gave all your loyalty and it just got pff, thrown in the trash. Remember that? Oh, that's a bit of a sad story. That is the reason that now we speed wobble with committing to the right thing. Because un the problem is, is that past relationships, friendships, whatever type of relationship it was, the ones that were unhealthy and toxic, they tend to influence us from not trusting the healthy ones. It's this weird deal. And that's why I make statements like, don't make the good people of today suffer for the bad people of yesterday. We've got to stop doing that. Well, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I've had people, it's like, I've been loving you for four or five years now. I'm trying to pass you. I'm trying to help you. Well, I just don't trust you. Well, you better make up your mind. Because trust is actually a decision. And it's something that you have to give up. I'm going to choose to trust. Now, this, look, here's the deal. If, if you have a friend in your life that keeps triggering warning bells and alarm bells, you should listen to that. As long as it's not a wound-driven alarm. 
I've got to put that caveat in there. Otherwise, it's going to be like, we're going to have calls all next week, all these broken lives happening everywhere, people breaking relationships. You've got to make sure, because the problem is, it, there's this really, it's, it's a term, and it's a little crass, so please forgive me, but I've got to use it. There's a term called a beaten wife syndrome. And it's, it, the, the picture is of a woman that keeps getting abused by a man, and it can go both ways, by the way. And she goes to leave, but then she keeps going back. Because there's this, once wounds have established in our heart, that same familiar spirit, like spirits attract. And we keep attracting back to the same stuff, and we keep finding ourselves in the same vortex holes of destructive relationships, and we call them friends. We need to start actually stopping critical of the good people in our lives and start discerning all the relationships in our lives and saying, like, there was a, there was a, I think it was a Netflix show that came out of this Japanese woman who was this master minimalist. You guys remember that? Like a year or so ago. And she had people throwing stuff out of their houses all over the world. You guys know what I'm talking about? This woman, she took, she was like this interior design minimalist and she, I don't even know, I didn't watch it, but I heard about it. That's why I still got a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I ain't giving up my fishing gear. <laughs> it's like, you know, she taught people like, why have you got that jacket? You've had that jacket for 15 years and you ain't never worn it. And people are like, oh, yeah, I've had that jacket for 15 years and I've never. And the alarm bell, the light went on. It's like next day, that was going down to Goodwill. Someone else can benefit from it. Some of you all need to take your friends down to Goodwill. Not good friends, the ones that you realize haven't been healthy for you. And I'm not saying hurt and reject them on the, I'm not saying that. We're not called to hurt people, but we are called to above all else, guard your heart for from it flow the issues of life. And nothing can get to your heart more than an unhealthy friend. If you notice all your painful stories in your whole life come from people that were close to you. Hello? No one can hurt you like a close person. A stranger, listen, a, a stranger, is this okay? <laughs> a stranger could come up and flip me off, and I wouldn't care. But if, Je if Pastor Jeff came up and flipped me off and said horrible things to me, that would hurt. Why? Because he's my friend. You see the difference? See, the only people that have really hurt you have been the ones that have been close to you. We need to be discerning about, um, please, please don't go out and just cause chaos tonight. Okay, I'm really, <laughs> I can, like, part of me is like, oh, no. But the other part of me is like, look, honestly, some of us have just been floating down the river of life, and we've got this friend group. Like, here's another thing I'm just going to come out and say it. Well, we all went to college together. We all went to high school together, so we have to stay loyal. SCU. For real. Or USC or whatever it is. <laughs> Father, forgive me, for I know not what I did. But we have this mentality that we should be loyal because we're in the alumni. And so we always do stuff together. No, that's American culture. We need to shift to new, to, to, to new kingdom culture, not New Zealand culture, Jesus' name. That's got some issues too. 
You hear what I'm saying though? Some of us need to just look through the closet of our friends and say, you know what? That person sells me out anytime they get a chance. There was this friend I had growing up, and we had, we had, it got to the point where it was so bad that any time he could look good at our expense, he would sell us out. If there was some cute girl that showed up, he would, he would literally dog us so that he, he looked good. And we just ended up calling. We, we said, dude, if that dude could make money, he would sell his grandma down the river. And like me and my buddy, this is true. This is absolute true. I've never talked about it. This is a true story. Me and my buddy Chris growing up, <laughs> it's funny. We had watched this guy and he would start, he'd start, he was a charmer. He'd just be charming people, but he would slash his own friends to get ahead. You don't need those people in your life. And me and my buddy got to the point where it was just so funny because we didn't, we didn't let him close to us anymore. And we'd look at him and we'd just look at each other and go, there's grandma floating down the river again. There she goes. Because... <laughs> Because you just have to start discerning people in your life that actually aren't for you. You've got to discern people in your life that actually are decidedly living at low level and not wanting to go further. And they don't want you to go further either. Hello? Okay, real quickly, I need to land. Because I promised I would. Jesus, help. This, this thing keeps, like, messing up my place. Okay. Okay, yeah, so this is, this is going to be interesting for some of you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. It says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. And I wrote this down. That's why some people can walk away so easily as if you never mattered because they were never for you in the first place. You were invested, but they were spending. Got to know the difference. Who's spending in your life and who's investing? See, if I'm the person, if, if there's a relationship, and I'm just using myself as an example, but if I'm, if I'm the only one investing in the relationship and the other person's taking and not investing back, I haven't got a friend. I've got a dependent. You've got to know the difference. We're called to be discerning. Not stupid. If you want to make headway in your life, pull the right people close. Not that we're here to, look, I'm not trying to endorse we reject anyone, but we need to reassess where, what proximity, well, I meet with them twice a week. Maybe you need to, meet, need to meet with them twice a year. Yeah? Or if you're trying to win them for Jesus, maybe look at it differently because they're winning you. They're winning you because they're, Conduct's actually pulling you down. And in our pursuit to be relevant, we're getting absorbed into that culture. That's how you lose a victorious church. That's why Jesus wouldn't let everyone come to the upper room. That was for a select few. It's not about elitism and exclusivity. It's just about access. Can I just, say, can I just give someone permission today? You don't need to let everyone into your heart. You let people earn their way into your heart. And, and you know, it's like me as a pastor watching, like, I'll, I'll, I'll watch and there'll be, like, some dude who's been starting, or some girl, someone that we've been working with for a while, and they've started to make real progress, and all of a sudden, boy, new boyfriend, new girlfriend shows up, and whoosh, they're gone. Because they didn't progressively enter in. 
they jumped into the deep end before they figured out how deep it was. You don't jump into relationships like that. You just take it easy. Hey, come hang out at church. I'm going to get to know you in a group. You ain't, this ain't going 100 miles an hour. I'll give you five. And see if you can keep up. <laughs> see, that's how you know there's unhealthiness in the relationship because out of desperation, haste kicks in and now it's all or nothing. And all my other friends that were apparently so important a month ago are now nowhere to be seen. Am I wrong? See, so a healthy person's just gonna, they're gonna progress into that season. It's just gonna, there's gonna be a natural transition there. And it's gonna involve all their other friends. Hello? I've just been doing this for a long time now. I've seen, I've been around church since I was a kid. We just have to learn how to be healthy. Otherwise, we become, I need to say this very nicely. We need to become obsessive consumers. So we become obsessive consumers of relationship and easy disposers of other ones that no longer matter. People are not disposable. People are not disposable. We just need to stop committing ourselves to people that haven't earned that level of access. When you commit your heart to someone that hasn't proven integrity, trust, honor, respect, character to that level of access... Honestly, guys, the best relationships that you can get are the ones that take long times to develop. And that the ones that are prepared to walk through some, like I said, like, if you look, oh, that, who's your best friend? Well, that's my best friend. When was the last time you had a disagreement? We've never had a disagreement. That ain't your best friend, honey. It ain't. If you've got a best friend and you just never had a problem, that's not a real friend because you ain't seen them in battle. You haven't seen what they're prepared to compromise on or how vicious they can be. You haven't seen if they're prepared to fight for you or if they're going to walk away from you like that. I want friends that, are, that I'm going to get old with. I mean, I'm already going gray. I got some gray ones shooting out. So I'm already halfway there. But I, need, I want friends that are going to walk with me till I'm an old man. How about you? Old ladies in some cases. We, we want people that aren't going to, well, they were just my friend for a season and then it just transitioned. That's weirdo Christian language. Oh, the season shifted. There was a new grace. No, that's, that's weird. Because God's never done that ever. Can you imagine God the Father? Well, he was my son. Then it transitioned. On earth as it is in heaven. You can't make up your weird little charismatic prophetic blowout version because it's convenient to you. I, I, I'm, I, get the, I thought I was coming to church today with this beautiful message. I, really, I was really trying, honestly. <laughs> okay, real quick, I'm going to land. Choosing people you will call friends is one of the most incredibly important choices in life. The Lord told me when I first came to this country, to, to Orange County, I said, what is going on relationally here, God? Because this is messed up. Now, for most of us here, this is all we've ever known, so me saying that seems a little strange. This is weird compared to most of the world. Trust me. 
This is what the Lord told me when I first came. I said, like, what is it, Holy Spirit? And he said, California, modern California was founded on the gold rush where every man and woman came for themselves to stake their own claim and it was man on man. They didn't, there was no loyalty, there was no, and it created actually an invitation of a dark spirit that causes this thing, we're together, but we're every man for himself. And that seeped into the culture, it seeped into the territory. We have to divorce that idea. You're, I'm, I'm with, you see, a comrade is actually, if you guys want to understand what a, com, a com, the word comrade is actually, or comrade is actually connected with the communistic movement. But really what it means is, the, 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 the way that it's used a comrade is someone that doesn't necessarily have all the same values, but we have the same goals. So once the goal changes, I'm no longer loyal to you. Hello? I want a confidant. Someone who I can share my worst day with and know that they won't sell me out. They won't, they won't lie about me. They won't manipulate me. They won't reject me. Someone that I can... That I can Man, I'm just really struggling right now, and they're going to they're fight for me. That's what you want. That's what we want, truly. So we need to rethink how this looks, and we need to reposition ourselves. We don't need to be no gold rush Christians. I'm going I'm to finish with those last two statements. If you want yourself, I've just taken a scripture and altered it slightly. Not book of Revelation status, but it's definitely going to be helpful. If you want friends, show yourself loyal. I just quoted the, the actual scriptures, if you want friends, show yourself friendly. But I would take that a step further and say, if you want friends, show yourself loyal. Someone that's going to be there through thick and thin. And even if the person rejects you a little bit at early stages, maybe just push through a little bit. Don't turn around, well, I'm going to reject them before they reject me. Closing statement. If you're going to be someone's friend, be the best one they ever had. If we can take that idea and say, if I'm going to be someone's friend, I'm going to be the best friend that they've ever had in their life. Now, you can't do that with 100 people because you only have so much emotional and, and intimate space in your life. But if you're going to have a friend, be the best one that they've ever had where they can count on you through thick and thin where you're there for them, where they're struggling or whether they're on a mountaintop, where you're celebrating them and not competing against them, where you're championing them, where you mourn when they mourn, you cheer when they cheer, you speak truth to them when they need to hear truth and not flattery or sympathy. People need truth. In love, obviously, well, well postured at the right time, but be the best friend they ever had. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Father, I thank you that you are a relational God. You're a God of a relationship. When you wanted to show yourself, you presented yourself as Father. And then you introduced your Son. And then you introduced Holy Spirit, our comforter, our teacher, our guide. And you gave us each other. You said, don't forsake the fellowshipping or the gathering of yourselves together. And so, God, we know that you are a God that has given us each other. You even said, if you confess your sins to one another, you will be forgiven. You'll walk in the light, that we can walk in the light as you are in the light. We'll have fellowship one with another. So God, we understand, Father, that we need friends. And I pray, God, that today would be an awakening moment and that we would start to really have a tender, sensitive spirit 
from you helping us, God, even if this has been a dark area or a, or a, or a difficult area where we've struggled in our life, God, I pray that you would start to teach us how to discern who our friends really are, that you, dis- that you would teach us how to select and discern who should be in our inner circle, God, who we allow access into our hearts, who we invest in, and how to intentionally posture ourselves as a friend. In Jesus' name. Father, I pray that as a community, we would grow relationally more than ever before. That we would learn to love each other, whether it's a person of inner circle or a person, Father, that maybe is just one of our friends. That we would learn to to destroy any cliques in our lives. That we would learn to treat everyone with love, honor, and respect. Not just the people that benefit us, God, or that are close to us, but we would learn to be uh, loving and show dignity to every single human being in our life. In Jesus' name, God, that, that the world would see that we belong to you by the way we love people. In Jesus' name, we bless you, God, and we thank you for who you are. Amen. Amen.